Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, national parks are tweaking their reservations policies for next summer, and Berlin wasn't a great place to be a fish last week. Updates next in the news. Can airlines really charge you to check your luggage, not deliver the bag at your destination, and keep your money? Travelers United is on that case, and we'll talk about it in our Smarter Traveler segment at 3.20. What better place to visit in December than a town called Santa Claus? I spent most of a week in Louisville and rural Indiana, and yes, the itinerary included a stop in Santa Claus. Hear all about the magnificent hotels of French Lick at 335. Our listeners always ask great questions. We dig into the mailbag and answer a few at 350. First up, how to get a free upgraded seat on a plane. Thanks for giving us an hour today. We'll try to make it worth your time. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Welcome, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the of the Travel and Entertainment Guys. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano here, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Yes, I, I went away for a second there, Mark. I I reached over to turn my headphones up, and instead I I completely deleted myself, you might say. And <laughs> since I couldn't hear what was happening, I just sat here dumbfoundedly, which... My wife says I do quite frequently. I figured anyway. It, I figured it was just going to be Caitlin and I there. I wondered. I, and you're, you're, you're. Uh, for folks who don't know, we since COVID, we don't do this at the radio station. Tom has a studio in his home. I have a studio at my office, and we were on FaceTime. And you, you, you went, you went blank as though your signal had kind of sort of failed. And then I didn't hear you, so I thought maybe, you know, there'd been a some sort of attack at the Romano residence or something like that. <laughs> hey, what do you what do you think of this uh I don't know, I can't remember when we had an endless day of fog here in Rancho. No, and last night I was doing um what a mileage run. Someday we'll take the time and explain that to people and I was in San Francisco and the flight to Fresno was canceled last night because there was too much fog to get in and out of the Fresno airport. So I was just happy yep. to get back here. And as I was driving home last night around midnight, I could tell that it was rolling in. It's sort of like the old days. You all, you guys, you all see, I'm, I was in Louisville for a few days and now I'm talking like the people back there. You all had quite a bit of rain while we were gone. And now, and I heard it was windy and stormy, just like the old days. And now we, here we have a day where it's foggier than all Dickens, which is remember in the old days, the early plane flights oftentimes never got out of here, and they would have these. They would have buses lined up at the airport, and they would take people on what they called fog charters, and take them down to San Francisco in order to be able to catch up or Oakland. Oftentimes, which is where their plane would be, in order to be able to get on a plane to get across the country to get out of town. I haven't seen that happen for a long time. I wonder if that happened this morning at all. Hmm. 
Very interesting. Would, yeah, wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Uh, that's a that's a whole other radio show in, yeah. in regards to wh- where did the fog go? I grew up in the Central Valley down in Modesto and uh, in that area with the peach orchards and so forth. Uh, fog was uh, was a way of life. There were they would cancel school. I remember yeah. in high school that uh, that uh, they would cancel days because it was too dangerous for people to get on the road, take their kids to school. That's or if it. they had an evening basketball game, they'd cancel the game because the fog was always worse in the evenings. Well, I, we're all excited to hear a little bit about your trip to uh, to Santa Claus and, and all of that. Uh, and we'll get to it and lots more right here on the Travel Guys. But at the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with it, Mr. Travel, Mark Hoffman. Hey, you, Tom, you heard about the, the aquarium blowing up in the hotel in Berlin last week and all of the, I mean, 200 and something thousand gallons of water spilled out all into the lobby in the street. They had to close the hotel. Well, we have an update. We have an update. Everybody assumed that the 1,500 fish that were in the, in the tank were all kaputski, but not so much. They saved about 200 of them. Wow. So uh, police have have said that there's no evidence that there was uh, any kind of a targeted attack or anything. Um, It just they think it's because the temperatures uh, dropped so low on last Friday night. They had a crack in the tank and that Mm. may have may have caused what the the tank to go kaputski. And, of course, they had to close the hotel, 268,000 gallons. Um, however, wow. they saved about 200 fish, and they had hundreds more fish that were kept in the basement for breeding purposes. Um, <laughs> they were they, they survived, so not everybody went down the tubes, or not every fish went down the tubes in Berlin. Some of them, some of them made it. it was, and the reason I mention this is... It was a tourist attraction. They had an elevator that ran through the middle of this aquarium in the lobby of the Radisson Hotel there in Berlin. So it was, in essence, a tourist attraction unto itself, but not so mm-hmm. much anymore. It gives a new definition to the old phrase, swimming with the fishies. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I love that. Uh, was Is that a technical term? Kabutsky? <laughs> Kabutsky. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a technical term from the travel industry. Um, national parks, we mentioned, are changing their summer reservation rules. Some of them are becoming less restrictive. Yosemite has decided that you don't need a reservation to get into the park this year. I wonder how that will work out for them. Um, in the past, no reservations in the middle of the summer has meant quite a wait to get in uh, to the park's main gate from the west side. Glacier National Park has boosted its summer reservation system to expand to a wider window so that it'll start earlier in the year and last later in the year. Again, this is not so much to keep people out as it is to control the number of people who show up at the gate each day of a national park because you want the experience to be of good quality. So in this case, if you make reservations in advance, then you'll be assured that the number of people getting into the park will be limited on some basis so if you're planning you're starting to dream about a national park vacation next summer you might want to just go online and start looking at whether or not they have reservation systems and whether or not you will be required to have a reservation to get into the park so that you will know in advance so what do you suppose tom are the best cities for new year's eve according to our folks at wallet hub 
Well, you know, uh, everybody's got to go with New York City. Uh-huh, exactly. Uh, and, um, you know, it'd probably be kind of fun to be at either one of the Disney theme parks, but that's oh, not really man. a... A city, but you're, uh, no, you're 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 hitting it pretty good here. New York number one, Orlando number two, Vegas third, go. San Francisco, yep. Atlanta, Denver, Washington, Chicago, and Los Angeles round out the top ten in terms of places where people would like to be on New Year's. But you hit it at one of the Disney parks, Orlando, or New York City in Times Square to watch the ball drop. There you go. Tour operators yep. from the United States Tour Operator Association Conference are guidedly optimistic. Optimistic for next year, they think that uh, that business will be up next year, even if the economy tends to contract a little bit. Um, tour operators tend to pull their uh, customers from older demographics, and the Tour Operator Association says that because many people could not travel for a couple of years, some folks are still doing makeup trips. And as the head of their association said, and I agree, the older you get, the less time you have to make up those trips. So older folks are traveling with a little bit more purpose right now. And Tour Operator Association expects that to continue next year. Here's an update, Tom, from Visalia. Remember, we had them on a couple months ago because they had they were working on a program for um, kids, with, particularly kids with autism, mm-hmm. families that might travel in their area. Um, they've right. gotten a little bit more attention. Visalia has been designated the first ever certified autism destination in the country, awarded by an international board of credentialing and continued educational standards. So um, good for them. They have um, some recent studies show that 87% of, of parents with an autistic child do not travel, but 93% would be more likely to if autistic autism certified options were available um of course visalia is one of the gateways to sequoia and king's canyon national parks so while it's you know you could say well it's just a little city in the valley um it does have a couple of pretty big things close to it so um congratulations to our friends in visalia who have really made an effort to try to accommodate uh families with uh children that are autistic and i'm sure autistic adults also and now they've gotten a little bit more recognition for that. The TSA has announced that new measures will be taken amid record firearm seizures. The TSA has announced that the maximum civil penalty for a firearms violation has increased to fourteen thousand nine hundred and fifty bucks, um, effective immediately as of December sixteenth. TSA screeners have stopped a whopping sixty-three hundred firearms this year. Perhaps more concerning. More than 88% of them were discovered loaded. That's crazy numbers. It is that, crazy. That, yeah. It is crazy. And, and people who say, well, the TSA, you know, that's just a bunch of BS there. They're just, you know, getting everybody's, all their little things out of their, their water bottle that they forgot to take out. Well, except for those 6,300 guns that they found of 88%, do the math, uh, roughly 5,500 of them were loaded. I have no desire to get on an airplane with somebody who has a loaded gun. I don't care who they are or why they have it, or how safe it is, um, you put it in your checked luggage and put it underneath or leave it at home. Because it doesn't need, there's no reason for it to be in the cabin. So good to good, good job, Dale and Sid and all of uh, the guys that work at TSA for getting those. And, yeah, uh, maybe if it costs you more money or more something, you'd be a little bit more careful. It's one thing to miss a bottle of water going through security, but a loaded firearm? Yeah, you know, and in you you so often hear uh, that the person who uh, 
who had it and was stopped and so forth. It's it's a, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot that that gun was there and that it was loaded. That 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 it's on your carry on. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you forget that? I, I don't you know everything that's in your carry-on bag, Mark? A loaded, you know. But again, I forget things that are in there. I've, you know, I go through pre-check, and every once in a blue moon, it's like, oh damn! I see him pull my bag, and it's like, oh, I forgot that water bottle that was in there or something. Yeah, well, that that makes more sense. So, but, yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I believe that people can forget things, but a loaded firearm. In your carry-on? I mean, all right. Anyways, a couple of quick things here to round out the news. Southwest Airlines has extended its summer flight schedule, so you can now book uh, seats on Southwest through August the 14th of next year. And also Southwest has revealed it's adding a record number of flights to and from Denver, 92 destinations from the Colorado City, um, with over 300 departures a day in July and August of next year. So if you, uh, Southwest is served, de- serves Denver from Sacramento. So that's good news for folks who like to fly Southwest Airlines. More choices out of, more connections out of Denver. And average gas prices have dropped again ahead of the winter holiday travel period. Gas dropped an average of 14 cents last week to an average of $3.26. That must be in the Midwest. I don't see anything 326 around here. But the Arco station over there on Coloma is 369, Thomas. So that's not too bad. Uh, that I'll tell you, it's, a, it's amazing. And I think a lot of folks have seen this, you know, since there isn't a lot of talk about prices going up. Uh, so there is not a lot of talk about prices going down. And, and uh, a lot of folks are realizing it, it, takes, it takes half the amount of money uh, to fill your, your vehicle than it did uh, 30 days ago. Instead of going, oh, my God, when you're sitting there at the gas tank, you go, oh, that's nice. Um, anyway, biggest <laughs> biggest drops, Montana, California, Alaska, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, all of us on the uh, West Coast. And that is your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys. You can uh, follow along with uh, uh, us on TravelGuysRadio.com. That's also where you'll find uh, podcasts of the show, links to special guests, and a place where you can leave the Travel Guys a question. We're going to have the mailbag segment in about 30 minutes, and we'll read some of those questions and answer them right here on the radio. But up next, we're going to talk about that situation where you check a bag, you know, on on a plane. Uh, you get to your destination, and the bag does not. And the question is, uh, in a, who knows when it's going to get there. Does do you, do you still have to pay for that bag? You know, Mark, you uh, travel with folks that uh, do a lot of United and uh, that have to pay for luggage. Uh, I fly mm-hmm. Southwest almost exclusively and never have to pay uh, for bags if I stay below 50 pounds and or don't take on a lot of other bags. But uh, that's something that you deal with. It's a pretty big deal overall. Uh, it is. And, pay a lot uh, of money. And, and occasionally uh, those bags don't, uh, don't arrive. Uh, Travelers United is 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 on this case. Uh, tell us more. Uh, well, and first, it, just an aside here. Do you know that Southwest, who doesn't charge for bags, has a better record of getting bags to people when they're playing on on their airplane or before mm-hmm. they get there than than the other carriers? So Southwest uh, not only beats them, but they beat them despite the fact that they get no revenue for it, which I find. 
kind of interesting. And most people who fly Southwest would say, some people would say, well, you know, it's probably built into the fare. But I would argue that when you look at Southwest fares compared to the other airlines' fares, it's not built into the fare. So it's just mm-hmm. a service that it's a service. And, and the reason I point this out is how is it that one airline is able to do this without charging us what I consider to be a complete ripoff? Um, and the other carriers charge us, and they can't seem to get the bags there. So Travelers United is saying, well, wait a minute. Um, you know, if we're having to pay for this service, wouldn't there be a reasonable expectation that the bag would arrive when you do? Or let's say you're on a, a route that's frequently traveled, like I was in Hawaii, and a bag, my bag didn't arrive on the flight. And by the time uh, the bags all came out and I went over to the bag, Hawaiian air baggage office and said, hey, my bag isn't here, the lady looked it up and said, hey, it's on the next flight, which is already in the air. It'll be here in about 25 minutes. So while it was a minor inconvenience... Um, it wasn't a huge problem. I didn't have an issue with it, and I didn't you know, jump up and down and scream or anything. But in most cases, you would be in a situation where even if it were on the next plane, that would be at least a couple hours, if not a lot of hours, or the next day, or something like that. Who wants to hang around the airport all that time waiting for a suitcase um, and that they paid the airline, that they paid the airline to <laughs> handle um, so Travelers United says, you know, if your bag isn't and, – and what is a timely manner is, is up for discussion. The airlines are working off of a thing, of which, of course, the Department of Transportation had a hand in, um, that says 12 to 15 hours is a reasonable window for your bag to be reunited with you. And Travelers United says in a really nice way, uh, BS, and I agree. If the bag isn't there, if it didn't come on a flight before you – and it's sitting there waiting for you because you had a long layover or something like that, or it doesn't come off the belt when you do, then that's my expectation is exactly that. So if it doesn't happen, you owe me thirty-five bucks. I, I, you know, I mean, I don't know how other other way to put it. You didn't deliver the bag. I paid you to deliver it. You owe me for not delivering the bag if it doesn't come until tomorrow. And plus, you owe me if I have to go buy toiletries or something reasonable expenses. You owe me for that too. Um, if you didn't charge me, why then I guess we could talk about that. But if you charge me 35 bucks, I don't think there's any, any question. So this is where Travelers United is coming from. They're saying that, you know, if the bag doesn't show up within 30 minutes of when you do, then you get a refund. And also Travelers United is saying to give the airlines a little incentive to recover your bag that perhaps, um, you know, maybe they owe you a refund if the bag arrives within two hours. Or, but if it doesn't arrive, uh, you know, until 10 hours, why maybe they owe you the refund plus X. And maybe if it doesn't arrive till the next day, they owe you the refund plus 2X. And Travelers United theory is that um, this would give the airlines an incentive to get the bags to you. And it's sad that you would need that. But I would argue that Travelers United knows exactly what they're talking about here. They're dealing with airlines. And if, if it comes down to them needing them being penalized especially financially for not doing something right they will pay a little more attention than if we just kind of give them a wink and a nod so congratulations to travelers united for going to bat for us on this now as it stands right now you mentioned uh like 14 hours or whatever being a reasonable time to reunite you with your luggage mm-hmm. uh, is that what it's it, the, the policy with uh, united and american and delta those that charge for charge you a, a luggage fee uh that there's no compensation 
or anything uh, until they get past that 14-hour thing? And then what do they give you? Do, do, do they, if they go beyond that, do they not charge you for the bag? Or? And some of that might depend on who you are and what your status is with the airline. What you paid for your ticket, you know, were you flying in first class and you paid a couple grand for your ticket or you were flying in the back of the plane and you paid $400 for your ticket might have something to do with that. Or you, do you fly all the time with that airline and you have a long history with them as opposed to you're a once-in-a-while tra- free agent traveler and you just happen to be on that carrier at that time. So I'm going to suggest to you that, that they can see that information when they pull up your, your travel record and would and probably would be more likely to refund the baggage charges to people who have more invested in the carrier. I would suggest you that any business would probably be that that way. I would like to think that air, people who work for airlines have the flexibility to be able to um, not go after uh, someone who has given them a lot of money as opposed to somebody who's just there on a, as a one-time customer. Got it. Well, you know, Southwest and uh, people have probably had this happen. They, uh, if they don't, your luggage doesn't show up on time, and uh, you choose to not have them deliver it to your home. Uh, they offer up a voucher. Uh, mm-hmm. My uh, granddaughter got a hundred and fifty dollar voucher for future flights uh, as a result of forgetting her little tiny suitcase on a one way flight from Austin to Sacramento. So. You know, I mean, it was an inconvenience, but uh, the $150 voucher certainly eased the pain. So you had the choice of getting the 150 going out to the airport and picking up the bag, and they gave you the voucher, or they would have delivered the bag, but you wouldn't have gotten the voucher. So you had an option. Correct. That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, I, I guess I'd, I guess if you paid me 150 bucks under normal circumstances, I'd probably consider driving out to the airport. So good call, Tom. It sounds like us, the the link to the most important travel stories and more right here every week with the Travel Guys. Mark and Tom with you. Thanks for coming along. Uh, Let's see. Don't forget uh, TravelGuysRadio.com for links to our special guests and including this one. Yeah. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Caitlin is uh, our producer for, for KF for the Travel Guys and a lot of stuff on KFBK, one of the hardest working girls in the industry. Caitlin, I uh, understand that uh, you're a road tripper, uh, like a lot of folks this time of the year, maybe traveling uh, for a holiday. You're going to be heading to uh, Arizona. You got some do's and don'ts for us? Yeah, so I'm driving from Sacramento to Bullhead City, and it's about eight hours. I'm doing it by myself. And I think that the number one thing people should look at when they're doing a type of travel like this is where you should fuel or stop to go to the bathroom. There's certain parts where you end up seeing signs that say like no services for 120 miles. And the last thing you want to do is be without fuel. If you're seeing one of those signs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, well, and when you stop to fuel or you stop to use a rest area or something like that, particularly if you're a lady and you're traveling alone, but even if you're a man and you're traveling alone, uh, you want to park as close to the entrance to those places as possible, or if you're if you're fueling up someplace, you want to be in the pump that's closest to the front door. Um, you want to you, in your car. You want to put as many things as you can. You don't want a suitcase in the back seat if you can possibly avoid it. So anything that would show that you're that you're traveling should be 
in a trunk or under a cover or something that doesn't make it real obvious, um, you're, you're likely occasionally to run into delay, traffic delays on holiday trips that you wouldn't find normally, and sometimes those can be quite extended. So you want things like a phone recharger in your car, and you want a water and a little bit of food. I mean, you don't have to have an entire pantry, but you want something in case you're stuck someplace for a couple, three hours, and you were 20 minutes from your next pit stop that so you don't starve to death. And the other thing is allow yourself when you're traveling, it's by car, it's just like going to the airport. We talk about this all the time. Make sure you give yourself a little bit of extra time so that that way you're not, you know, you're not up against the clock and you're really trying to rush and get there and things like that. So that, that makes things a little easier. A lot of those things are pretty common sense things. But nonetheless, um, the phone recharger thing, you know, one of those things that you can charge up ahead of time and put in the car so that you can get an extra hour or two's power out of your tele- your cell phone no matter what. Anyway, Caitlin, those are some ideas. I, I honestly have never even thought about not having, like, my suitcase in the car until you just said that. And now I'm sitting here like, I can't believe I never even thought to do that. As a man who had his bag stolen out of the back of a rental car in, in on a rest stop on the way to Cape Cod, and the bag was in the trunk. So, yeah, if you can keep, anything that you can do to keep from giving away the fact that you're traveling and that you just headed into the restroom and there might be something of value in there, like gifts or something like that. So, anyway, good luck to you. Thank you. Yeah, the, the, rest, the rest stop situation is, you know, uh, people who – are preying on people that are at stop at rest stop. They, mm-hmm. you know, you're in the car. You're especially if you're alone, like Mark was. Uh, you you head in, head into the head into the restroom. the The bad guy knows exactly where you are, and a pretty good idea as to how long it's going to take you to come back out. And so, uh, you're an easy target. Yeah, yeah. It was much. I was very surprised to get to my destination. Pop open the back trunk, and where the hell is my suitcase? I mean, so it's, they, when they. They took it and they bothered to close it. They closed it. Yeah, I didn't have any idea that I was missing it, and that was the only place that I had stopped along the way. So, yes, uh, rest areas and stuff like that, especially if you're a lady traveling by yourself. Um, you want to be a little bit more careful or a little bit more, you know, if it gets to be after dark or something like that, you want to stop someplace where it's lit and where people can see you or there are other people nearby so that you can – you know, kind of, kind of have a little bit of a sense of security. I, I'm, I'm a man, so that's a little bit different for me. But for ladies, a, a little bit of extra, just being aware of your surroundings and stuff is good. All right, Thomas, um, took a bunch of folks back to the Midwest to visit Louisville, and we went into Indiana. This was a Christmas mystery tour. Yeah, so these keep folks- in mind, folks, these Christmas, Christmas, Christmas mystery tours or any mystery tour means you don't know where you're going when you leave. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Louisville was one of our our major destinations. That is quite a sports city. If you are a sports fan, not only, of course, the, the home of the Kentucky Derby, and they have tours of the track all the time. So we went out there and were able to get a track tour, uh, and they will do simulated racing with fake play money and prizes and all kinds of fun things, and we did all of that sort of stuff. I don't know that that's necessarily available to the general public on a daily basis, but um, tours of the track are. You've got the University of Louisville in town, um, so basketball and football there. AAA baseball, the Louisville Cardinals, who are the St. Louis Cardinals AAA Farm Club. Cincinnati is only about 75 miles away. So think of Sacramento and San Francisco to go and see the Giants or Oakland to see the A's. 
but 20 to 25 miles closer. So uh, St. Louis is about four-hour drive. Cincinnati is about an hour and a half. Louisville Slugger bats are made in Louisville, so another sports item. You can go and watch them make bats, and at the end of the paid tour, you're given a little uh, Louisville Slugger bat, or you can also buy full-sized bats. They have some great little neighborhoods in town. Paris Town is one of them. They had a little Christmas market. Um, We went there and ate. Um, made a Christmas ornament at a place called Stoneware Pottery, which has a great store. We stayed at the Galt House Hotel in town. Um, used to be the Galt House was the number one hotel in town. Eh, may have slipped half a notch. Um, services were a little, we had some trouble with door key, I mean, t- telephones and rooms and stuff like that. So Galt House is still a decent hotel if you can get it at a good price, but I wouldn't pay too terribly much. Lexington is nearby, only an hour away. That's where the University of Kentucky hails from, and there are a lot of horse-related things in the Lexington, greater Lexington area, henceforth the K- Kentucky Derby being next door in Louisville. We went to French Lick, which uh, if you think, wow, where have I heard French Lick before? Larry Bird, the basketball player, is from this little tiny town in southern Indiana called French Lick. They have these two magnificent hotels there. Um, the French Lick Resort, which has a casino, and the West Baden Hotel, where we stayed, which is a couple of miles away, has this amazing rotunda area that is, it's just, if you've never been there and you love classic hotels, the West Baden Hotel uh, in French Lick is absolutely one that you need to, to go to. We dropped down one night and went to a little town called Santa Claus, Indiana. And, Tom, I want to share with you, Santa Claus is the place where the post office sends every letter addressed to Santa Claus that doesn't have an address on it, a real address, ends up in Santa Claus, Indiana. A group of these people and and, and the volunteers who work with them for years and years and years have tried to answer every single one of these letters. Um, last time I was there, their numbers was were twelve, fourteen thousand. Now they're up to about thirty thousand letters that they answer each year. And it is really a, a great cause um, because some of the kids write, and it's the typical letter to Santa Claus. You know, here's what I want. Here's what my sister wants. And um, you know, if you can only bring toys right. to one of us, why mm-hmm. bring one to me and not to my sister? Um, but then some <laughs> of the letters get to be a mother wrote in and oh, yeah. a grandmother wrote in and said that her daughter had five children and they were really having a tough time, and they wouldn't get a lot for Christmas, and it would mean a lot if the kids could get a letter from Santa Claus. She put 20 bucks in the envelope, which isn't necessary, but this is one that I opened up. And so we addressed the letter to each kid. They have a, a number of form letters that you can use, and pick which one is appropriate, and then add a handwritten note, of course, in, in red pen, from Santa Claus at the bottom of the letter. So we, I wrote a handwritten note to each of the five kids, and... We addressed them separately and stuff like that, so each kid would get his his or her own letter from Santa Claus. Um, some of the kids will ask for things that are uh, that have to do with medical situations, um, you know, families that don't have a lot of money, and you have to be really careful because you're answering these kids, and you know, uh, Santa Claus is answering, and if Santa Claus, you don't want to promise something that Santa Claus can't deliver, so you want to give hope but without getting too overboard. So it's it's really kind of a fine line. I tell you, if you sit there and open a dozen of those letters, it'll change the way that you look at Christmas 
forever. So I'm glad that we got the opportunity to go back and and do this. We had done it once before about a dozen years ago. But um, somehow we have to figure out a way to help the people in this little town in Indiana because they're just overwhelmed by these by the letters and what they are do what they do is really good work um, answering letters to Santa Claus. Anyways, um, we had a great time in Louisville and in Indiana. Of course, um, the food in Louisville was awesome. It's the home of the Kentucky Hot Brown Sandwich, um, which is an open-faced <laughs> hot sandwich with turkey and Mornay sauce and bacon. And you eat you know, two or three of them in a week, your chances of a heart attack go up 30%. Uh, the, the people around Louisville were really, really nice. The people in rural Indiana in and around uh, the French Lick area were even nicer. Um, and then we got down to go down to Santa Claus. If you ever go to Indiana and you see a restaurant that's advertising family-style meals, um, stop the car and go right in, especially if you have a family or a group of folks. That means that they just bring out mountains of food and pass it around the table until everybody goes into a coma. And um, so family-style meals are really popular in Indiana. Louisville is one of my my favorite cities now. I would never have guessed this, but having been there twice over the last year, it really is a, a really interesting place. There's a lot to do there, and the people are incredibly friendly. That's great. That's great. Great story. You, you, you took us along with that. I was imagining everything you were talking about, and... Uh, you know, the answering, the helping to answer the, the letters to Santa has to be, it was really heartwarming. So thanks for sharing that with us. Dip our toes into the Travel Guys mailbag. Mark, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, well, let's start with Connie. Connie says, hey, you guys, you talked a few weeks ago about, oh, hold on a second. It's Mark calling. Let me, I got to answer him, okay? Okay. Otherwise, we, he won't be on the air. Okay. Connie says, uh, uh, you guys talked a few weeks ago about paying for reserve seats on a plane. And you, you mentioned a way to get a reserve seat without paying for it. Can you explain, Mark? Yes. Um, it requires taking a little bit of a chance. What you do with the – this is with the established carriers. Like if you bought a ticket on United – you went online when you bought your ticket and you saw, well, gee, the only seats that are left are middle seats or seats that I have to pay up for. So in this case, you would say, well, you know, since the only thing I can get is a middle, it can't be any worse than a middle seat in the back of the plane. I just won't reserve a seat. And then what happens is that when those middle seats all get taken, a day or two before the flight, there's 25 people who are who have tickets but you don't have seats well the seats that are left on the airplane are those what they call preferred seats or in united's case they call the seats above that economy plus so they're either closer to the front or they have a little bit more leg room ultimately they will have to use those seats to accommodate people who bought a ticket who don't have an assigned seat but it doesn't necessarily mean you'll get one of those seats you may still be in the back of the plane you could still get a middle seat but to folks who are making reservations and their seating choices are limited and they're saying, well, gee, you know, all I could do here is get the middle. It can't be any worse than that. What you can do is just don't choose a seat and then hope that perhaps you'll get a better seat. Now, there is a very slight possibility that you could be denied boarding, that they would run out. They have 30 people who need a seat and they only have 28 seats. 
So then you get denied boarding, but then you're up for a pretty reasonable amount of compensation. So the way to try to get a seat for without paying for it is not to mark is not to choose a seat at the time that you purchase your ticket and just hope that you get something better. The only cha- thing is when when they assign that seat to you, they, they will be assigning all the seats on the plane, so there probably won't be much chance of moving. Does all that make right, sense? Well, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. You know, I, I have to admit, you know, my ignorance here is I rarely, almost never, I can't even remember when, fly with a with a carrier that uh, has uh, seats to pick. I'm a Southwest guy where you get shuttled in on A, B, or C like cattle, but it works, and it works well. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've looked at a couple of times at United Flights for places I wanted to go, and I, I almost didn't, I almost chose chose not to use them because of the seat assignment. Well, how do I do this? Where do I pick? Which one is a good seat? You know. Well, when, you know what you know so, what us road warriors say. You yeah. can pick your nose or pick your seat, but never do both. <laughs> Akeem uh, writes the traveler's guy, and this is uh, one of your favorite subjects, Mark. Why is the Arco station, which usually has the cheapest gas, compared to the other uh, stations? Why is the Arco station at the airport ah, always so expensive? Uh, I got caught with a low tank and had to buy gas there. Arco is mostly cheaper around town, as the Akeem writes, but by golly, not at the airport. And uh, you know, why is that? Is it the obvious reason? We'll get the airport director on with us here in the next couple months during the slow winter time, and and let them address this again. But the last time we asked this question, um, everybody who's a vendor at the airport pays a concession fee. So uh, what we heard was that the service station is no different, and they're paying a fee, and that fee is causing them to price their product higher just like anybody else in the airport that's selling you something. My argument would be that's the only service station for miles in either direction. So not only are you nailing the airport people who rented a car and, okay, so they're paying a higher fee because they're using the airport services, and that sort of kind of perhaps makes sense. But you're getting every other poor guy and gal who drives by and needs gas, and that's the only place between Woodland and Natomas that you can get gas. And they're paying a buck or a buck and a half more a gallon for gasoline. And their first impression of Sacramento, or their last impression is, I got ripped off. So, I, you know, to me, I think that if everybody pays a concession fee, I think that service station ought to be exempt. Because I think that the, the message it sends to people is that Sacramento is a place where we rip people off. And that's just not the case. And, you know, I paid... Five ninety nine for gas in Orlando, near returning a rental car near the airport years ago. There were three service stations. They were all charging five ninety nine at the time. The price of of a gallon of gas in Orlando was about three seventy five. Um, that was probably a dozen years ago. And the fact that I'm telling you this story right now, and that I've avoided going back to Orlando for any kind of business situation ever since, tells you how much paying for that getting ripped off for gasoline. Uh, made made an impression on me. I would try to avoid Orlando if I can, because after all, they ripped me off. So let's not put Sacramento in that same category. All right. Uh, we're reading uh, questions from the Travel Guys mailbag at TravelGuysRadio.com. Harold wrote, uh, and uh, boy, this the right question to the right guy. 
according to Harold, a friend says that Route 66 goes through Sacramento. And Harold says, I think he's wrong. And he figured Mark would be the guy to ask about the old highway. So, Mark, does uh, Route 66 uh, make its way through Sacramento? No. If you asked Mr. Google, um, you could get the answer to that question. Um, But Route 66 runs from Chicago to Los Angeles, and it doesn't get any closer to Sacramento than L.A. So it's about 400 miles away. However, what your friend might have been referring to when it comes Mm -hmm. to historic highways in Sacramento is that the Lincoln Highway, which actually preceded Route 66, was the first road that went all the way across the country. Keeping in mind, it wasn't a highway like we think of today, but it was somebody who said, ooh, you could take this road from here to here, and then you could take this road, and then you could take this road, and you could take this road, and if you strung all of these 175 roads together, you could make it across the country. That was the kind of thing when the Lincoln Highway was put together in 1912. So the Lincoln Highway has two routes through Sacramento, and in fact... Their annual gathering of folks who are Lincoln Highway enthusiasts will be in Folsom next year, and we'll probably have more on that when it gets closer. But the Lincoln Highway, the first highway that preceded Route 66, actually passes through Sacramento in two or three different alignments. It came over Highway 80. Uh, it preceded Highway 40. So if you th- if you drove on Highway 40 through the Sierras, before there was Highway 40, There was the Lincoln Highway, and there's actually a place up there by Donner Summit where you can see the Lincoln Highway, Highway 40, and Highway and and be on Highway 80 at the same time. So kind of kind of cool for those of us who dig old roads. But anyway, the highway, historic highway that comes through Sacramento, is the Lincoln Highway, not Route 66. All right, we have time for one more before we wrap it up. And Alicia wants to share a thought with us. And why is there never anything to eat at the airport for really early flights? Few choices, long lines. Seems like the vendors would want uh, want your business. The Delta Terminal has practically nothing. Uh, yeah. The the old terminal has a Pete's Coffee, which I don't think opens until like 5 or 5.30. And there's a whole bunch of flights now that are you're already on the plane by 5.30. Um, that's something we could ask the airport gal. I'm going to suspect that here is going to be the answer. When the airlines expanded into the 5 to 6 o'clock hour, which now puts people in the airport after 4 o'clock, and the concessionaires have had a heck of a time getting help. So now what you've done is you've almost created a full second shift. Instead of having people who came in at 6 o'clock in the morning and took lunch and got off at 3 when the airport started to get less busy, now you need people to come in earlier. They may not have enough help to accommodate that. I agree it's bad business. Um, and that the airport should try to work on getting more choices for travelers. If the airlines are going to have planes leaving at 5.15 in the morning, you ought to be able to get something to eat. Because what if you have a close connection and you're flying you know, on an airline that doesn't even sell food, and you've got to make a six-, seven-hour trip across the country and you're left home at 3 o'clock in the morning. So I agree there should be more choices. That's it. We'll be back next week for our Christmas edition on uh, Christmas Sunday. You stay well, my friends, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week. And dance like nobody's watching. <laughs>